0: Judy Stubbs is the Pamela Buell Curator of Asian Art. Judy, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank
0: you. I'd like to begin with having you share with us an object from the collection that is featured in the book. And tell us uh, about it. What does it look like and how did the museum acquire it? Anything else you'd like to share with us about it?
1: Right. Well, I chose a woodblock print uh, from the 18th century in Japan by an artist named uh, Sharaku, his full name being Toshuk Sai Sharaku I chose it because it is extremely rare. In fact when I was looking through the collection as when I first arrived here in 2002 I was opening box after box to try and have a sense of what we had in our collection and the breadth and the quality and the conditions and although there were many Sharaku reproductions that were included in the collection I was absolutely astonished to find what I was pretty sure was a real one. And to give you kind of the, the scope, he only worked. Worked for 10 months between 1794 and 1795. We know nothing about him. Uh, there have been some suppositions that he might have been an actor. And then after 1795, we know nothing again about him. And so not only is the totality of his work, it's rather, rather few number of pieces, but this particular one is probably the only one in the United States and possibly the only one because the only other reference to this print, and these were done in multiple sets, is from a 1939 catalog of, from a private collection in Japan. And it's not entirely clear that it survives. At least there has been no mention of it since this book that was published in 1939. All subsequent publications refer to it by referring to the earlier publication and the black and white Illustration. So this may be the only one. It wasn't in very good shape, and so it's been restored, and this is the first
0: time it's being published. Why are art historians interested in the work of Sharaku?
1: I think they're interested because unlike prints that you usually see, this is much more individualistic in terms of the face. It's not quite as bland. It's not quite as sort of mask-like. And I think Western art historians have always, or Western audience, has always been very interested in the personality of the actor. We're much more focused on the individual as a society. And that may be one of the reasons why Shadoku fell out of favor. It may have been, according to critics, at least contemporary critics, too characteristic, too personal, too much like the actor, and not enough like the role. And you can see, I mean, this is a standing figure. It's actually a male actor who specialized in female roles. So he's playing a female character. Uh, and dressed in a kimono, long kimono, long sleeves, holding a manuscript, sort of a strip of text, surrounded by a maple tree. And he's got a very sharp pointed chin and a very large nose and sort of tiny eyes. And you can imagine that this really picks up on some of his personality and his physical features, not exactly the delicate features of a young woman that he's portraying. And I think we're always interested in the West in this kind of individuality, the quirkiness, that transition between or the interstices between the figure as the individual and the figure as the role. Though perhaps in Japanese art that's not so important. Um, so I chose it partly because it's rare and that it's never really it's never been published and it's also I think a very beautiful print. It's part of a triptych. There are three figures together. This is the furthest right and the Boston Museum of Fine Arts has the two to the left. And uh, there may be a few others, and that's it. But this is probably the only
0: one possibly in the world. That's remarkable. (laughs) The rarity of this print, is that uh, representative of the Asian collection at the IU Art Museum?
1: No. um, Of course, prints are done in in multiples, and artists had long careers. And somebody would say like Hokusai or Hiroshige, which are fairly familiar to a Western audience, um, they were so popular that it would have been done in one edition and then... If they continued to have an audience, they might be done in three and four editions um, by the same publisher or passed on to another publisher or indeed reprinted in the 20th century. But Sharaku only had this 10-month period, and so when you combine probably a few number of prints and then the loss over time and his relative lack of popularity in his own time period, the numbers really begin to diminish quite a bit.
0: How would you advise someone who doesn't have a background in Asian art, who's browsing through the, either this book or the IU Art Museum, to approach the work, say, of Sharaku or of other printmakers uh, from this period or an earlier period?
1: Well, I think, you know, maybe the material is unfamiliar and the formatting may be unfamiliar. There is none of the three-point perspective that we expect in Western art or the vanishing point. But I think if you just approach it By just looking at it that you can appreciate the line you can appreciate maybe the patterns the laying out of color against each other this one um, the predominant color though it looks brownish now was probably a very pale lavender the most fugitive of all of the vegetable dyes um, which is one of the reasons why we really don't put it out though if anybody wanted to see it we'd be happy to make a special viewing. They can come in, we'll pull it out of the box and we can sit down and actually look at it. But I think you know, you appreciate it like you do anything you've never seen before. You sort of take the time, you look at it, you see what part of it maybe you understand, what part you don't, maybe read the text, go back and look at it. I mean, I spent my whole life looking at art that I didn't understand when I first saw it. Uh, certainly Japanese prints were the first class I took in college on Asian art and I ended up majoring in Asian studies because I didn't understand that first group of prints that I looked at. And I took, you know, another class and something else to see if that would make sense because I was really struck by the flatness, uh, the lack of background, the lack of context, or what seemed to be a lack of context, though. There are lots of visual cues in the prints when you start looking for them, the roundels on the sleeve. Refer to the name of the actor, or perhaps the role, the setting of just the minimal maple trees tell you that it's the season and outdoors. The long sleeves tell you it's an unmarried female, and the court cap tells you that we're dealing with a classical story. So there are clues within it, but they tend to be perhaps unfamiliar. But I think you can enjoy the beautiful modeling of the face, the way the tree trunk has been rendered, the sort of the contrast of colors between the yellow and red maple leaves, the patterns of the garment as it falls. I think
0: all those things can be appreciated without knowing anything more about the print. There's another piece in the collection that um, is perhaps even more cryptic <laughs> to the average mm, museum goer, and maybe you can share uh, something about uh, that with us. This piece is on page us.
1: 144, an ink painting on paper by Gibon Sengai, usually referred to artists by their given names, Sengai, who was a, a Zen monk, and he was he was also a painter. Tended to paint rather abbreviated looking paintings. This is one called chrysanthemums and it's a sort of one, two, three, four, five sort of round circles with a spot in the center and then some leaves and a little spray of autumn grasses and some text on the right hand side. So we're talking about very minimal brushwork, no background whatsoever. You can't place it in in time and space. And then a poem, which if you'll let me I'll read it in English. Even though the flower has no ears, it is called kiku. And the word for chrysanthemum in Japanese is kiku, but it's also the verb to hear. And what Sengai is doing is saying, you know, the whole purpose of Zen practice is to get you to realign your thinking, to get out of the mental ruts that make the relationships that you see in this world. And Zen says that, or actually all Buddhist philosophy says, the world around you, the physical world, is really an illusion, and it's created by the mind to make order out of what you see. And to get beyond that, to achieve enlightenment, you need to be startled. Either it's through a visual koan or maybe a slap on the back when you're sitting uh, zazen, sitting in meditation. And something like this, so ordinary, a group of flowers from the an autumn garden and a silly little poem that says you know, flowers don't have ears. And it just all of a sudden transports you into thinking, is this really a flower on a page or is this just ink on paper? And the mind wants to read it as a flower in a garden, in a setting, in a three-dimensional space. But then you have to stop for a moment and go, no, it's a flat piece of paper with ink. But as you look at it, you'll start flipping back and forth between those two ideas.
0: Well, that sounds like a Great reminder to take with us as we go through the museum to uh, abandon our conventional ways of thinking and be a little open to what we see. Well, thank you. For WFIU's Artworks, I'm Yael Cassander.